Thank you, choir. Um, what a beautiful song uh, to reflect on the gospel. Um, I think so often uh, we we look at Jesus' death, uh, that he died for sinners, and we say, oh yeah, I heard that story before. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah, Jesus died for sinners. But... Uh, the amazing love that he gave to us, he showed us when we were undeserving and remain undeserving. Um, thankful how this works out because I'm in a fabulous passage that talks about our king being a different sort of king. And uh, if you'd turn in your Bibles uh, to the 11th chapter of Matthew or the 12th chapter of Matthew. And... Uh, We'll be looking at this morning, starting in verse 15. Most of us, when we think of uh, what it is to be right and to be good, uh, we think uh, we think of earning it. We think of being the best and then deserving the best. That we somehow work our way to a position and then we reap the benefits of that position. And I, I, I want to say this morning that that's the Pharisee's religion. That, that, that's a Pharisee's religion. That's what they did. They had a list of rules uh, that were all about showing up. They were about giving something. They were about doing something in a performance type way. That was their religion. And really, uh, it's not just the Pharisees' religion, it's man-made religion. Uh, all kinds of different man-made religions that say, I'm going to do what needs to be done so that I can be the best, so that I can qualify, and so that I can somehow earn uh, this great life that I want. It's man-made religion. And... As we look in the book of Matthew, we see that Jesus in his person, in his person, uh, just who he was, said, I have a different way. I, I, I'm a different kind of king. And this morning we're going to look deeply in uh, to him as a king. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from verse 15. Uh, down through verse 21. God's word says this, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved whom my soul is well pleased I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the, the Gentiles will hope. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, as we come to your word, um, 
God, many here this morning are distracted, including myself. We find ourselves thinking about many different things and many different temporary things that will only last for a moment. We get drawn away. We get concerned about the things of this world. And God, I ask that you would focus us in now on your word, that we might hear the clear message of Jesus. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. Uh, Cause this message to sink deeply within us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus was different. He was a different kind of king. He wasn't the king that they were looking for. He wasn't the king that they thought he should be. He wasn't like anyone else they had ever known that called themselves king. You get this picture that Jesus has just uh, uh, given them a call for them to come to him. And now we have seen in the first two sections in chapter 12 that Jesus had these interactions with the Pharisees that they thought that he was busted because he hadn't done what they thought he should do on the Sabbath. And now it says that he withdrew. He withdrew. You look down at verse 15, he says, uh, Jesus, aware of this, uh, aware that uh, if you look at verse 14, it, it says to us that the Pharisees went out and conspired against him to destroy him. They knew, uh, Jesus knew that they desired to destroy him. And so it says he withdrew from there. And what you see in the Gospels over and over again is it's not because Jesus feared them, but because it wasn't his time. That he was not a king who was going, oh no, they're going to get me. I'm afraid. I I will withdraw. But just that it's not his time, especially in the book of John, you you see that over and over again. It wasn't according to his plan. It wasn't something that fit what was going to happen now. So he withdrew. Uh, Jesus, it says he withdraws from the limelight. I I look at this and I I look at this, this whole verse here and when we think of a king or a leader, uh, we see this all the time with photo ops, right? Politicians, they say, uh, okay, uh, you know, this will make a good picture. Get this little child to come to me and I'll, I'll, I'll reach down and I'll, I'll pick them up and then click the photo. And, and he kind of smiles at the right time. And it's a photo op. It's, it's some kind of thing that will portray him to be good. And I want you to see that Jesus was not like other kings. He was not like other leaders. He's not like you and me. He doesn't say, hey, get my best side, okay? Hey, uh, you know, uh, make sure my hair's done properly. I, ca- I concern myself with these things. Uh, but th- these, he, he's just doing, he's being the king that he is. And so Jesus withdrew knowing that it wasn't his time. And yet, as he withdrew, it says that many followed him. Many followed him. Why? Because there was an attraction of the king. That people wanted to be with Jesus. Not because he was like other kings, but because he wasn't like other kings. 
They wanted to be with him because they saw who he was. They saw his authority. They saw his power. They, they contrasted him with what they had seen in other kings and the Pharisees as well. And, and they said, oh, we want to be with him. And it says that many followed him. And then it says this, uh, these many who followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. Uh, you know, Jesus doing these miracles and, and the way he interacted and compassion with those who came to him, it says they healed them all. You get this picture that when, when someone comes and he wipes out all sickness and takes care of all the things that bothered them. And, and he, he, he meets all their needs. You go, this is something different. This is someone, this isn't like other people we have followed in the past. This is the one. This is the one. And as Jesus did this, the crowds grew. The many who followed him. And he continued to do and be who he was. And then in verse 16, it says something somewhat peculiar to us. And it says, and, and ordered them not to make him known. Not to make him known. Uh, when you think about this, Jesus was not doing this for notoriety. He was doing this for the uh, compassionate connection he had with the individual. And as part of his plan and, and that he would be the Messiah, that he would be the one that would come to save them, not that he would create this riot in the city. And at times he did because of people, but, but he did not want uh, this huge dust up, if you will, in the city because of him. Jesus came as uh, a king and he stayed his own course as we see, moving on to verse 17, it, it, it connects us with the Old Testament, uh, one of the Old Testament passages that speaks of the Messiah that is to come. In verse 17, it says this, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And then we'll go on to hear what the prophet Isaiah came to say about the Messiah that was to come. As you see the connection between the New Testament and the Old Testament with prophecy, you need to know this, that when you see that, that is a stamp of authenticity. That's the stamp that says, this is the one. It should have been for the Jews, as they had known the scripture, they should have said, aha, here he is. This is the one that was spoken of. And as Matthew writes, he's connecting the dots for us of saying, the one that you've been waiting for is this one, Jesus. Um, I don't think there are maybe any of us here this morning um, that feel like that. You know, we, we haven't studied the Old Testament. And we're going, I, I wonder if Jesus is the Messiah. But I'm sure there's some here this morning that are, are waiting for something or someone. You're, you're looking for someone and you're saying, I, I don't know if I've found what it is to make me whole. I want to tell you, this is the one you've been waiting for. This is the king that you've been looking for. 
You, you may not think he is. You may not even be able to identify him. But as you hear who Jesus is, I want to tell you, he's the one you've been waiting for. And so we look and the description uh, that Matthew brings from the Old Testament to describe this different king. The first thing it says in verse 18, uh, quoting from, uh, not a direct quote, but from the book of Isaiah chapter 42. He says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. What we get uh, in the person of Jesus is Jesus, the Son, God, God in flesh, the Son that came, is connected with the Father. He's perfectly connected. The, the Father's pleasure is on Him. The, the Father's plan is being uh, worked out by Jesus, the King on earth. And so as we, we look at this, that that he is approved by the Father. This is not something different as we read the Old Testament. It's not some kind of change in course. It is the fulfillment of the Father's plan for the Son to come. And not just that he would come, but that his soul is thrilled or pleased in the person of Jesus. And he shares with us in verse 18... Uh, a little of the the plan or the mission. And he says, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Or that word Gentiles, the idea of the nations, the other nations. And this, uh, as we read this, and as uh, Matthew's and original readers and the Jews around there would hear this, they would say, and the nations? I, I think that's a misprint. I don't think that's right. When you when you speak of this Messiah that was to come, that he would come for the Jews. For the Jews. But uh, as Isaiah writes, and even as Matthew quotes, he says, for the nations, for the nations, for the Gentiles, for everyone. That they will come, as they come, Jesus will come to, to share with them He has a mission that is to proclaim justice to the Gentiles, to the nations, that he will be different. He will be different. And then uh, this, this was so different from beginning to end. Jesus was just a different kind of king. In verse 19, uh, it speaks of his quiet message method. His quiet message method. Um, when you're getting a message out, what do you do? It's all about signage, right? Uh, if you're doing a garage sale, you got to have signs, right? Uh, and, and if you have a new business, you, you, you put a big banner out in front and you say, grand opening. Because if you don't, uh, no one will know that you're there. But that wasn't Jesus' method. Uh, it wasn't about shouting and crying. Look at what it says in verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 19. As you look at it, it says this, He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear His voice in the streets. 
For the Pharisees, this was their place. This was the way they did things. There was a sense of being loud and proud and argumentative and authoritative in the streets where everyone could hear. And Jesus says, I have a different way of doing things. Boy, this is maybe different for, from us too, right? How do you deal with things? Do you deal with it in the quiet confidence of the Lord Jesus? Or are you out there pushing and shoving? Are you going to make your message known? Are you going to be louder than everybody else? Is that the way we do things? That's not Jesus' method. Jesus' method was not to argue. It was not to quarrel. It was not to be loud in the streets. Some of us think that's the way to do things. It's not. It's not the way Jesus did. It's not the way the king did things. Then we move to verse 20. And I want you to get this. I let the cat out of the bag a little early with the surprise box. But I I want, this is such an important message for Bear Valley Church. I hope that you can hang in there with me for a few minutes and not be distracted by other things. This is so important for us. In verse 20, it speaks of that, that Jesus is a different king. He, he's different than others. And the difference is, is he saves the throwaways. He saves the throwaways. He, he's about redemption, about redeeming. He's about grace. He's about compassion. And Jesus loves the lost cause. And this morning, I hope that you see yourself as that. I want you to get this. I want you to embrace this. Jesus says in verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed he will not break. What Jesus does is he takes a picture that they would have seen by the millions around them. These reeds and this this stocky grass grows up in, in they, they would have been familiar with it. At, at every pond, at every creek, they would have seen it by the millions. And they would have seen it and, and you can use it for various things and you can grab it and you know, some have talked about making whistles and various other ways. And you, you grab it and, and there's tons of it around and you grab one and you say, oh, this one's like it's bendy. It's kind of been stepped on already. Forget that one. Throw it away. And this other one's got a crack in it. Get, get rid of that. And, and, and I'm looking for the perfect one. The perfect one. Um, some of you know this process. You go to Home Depot and you try to get lumber. You know. And I, I grew up uh, with my dad going to the lumber yard. And we, we just... And, you know, he'd be looking down at it to see, you know, too many knots. He'd throw it aside and throw it aside. And I'm like, Dad, we're looking for the best one. You know, this is, this is the way we do things. We're looking for the best one. But Jesus says, this is who, who I am. It, it was who I was designed. I, I was going to be in, in prophecy. And now I, you're seeing me do this. Is that I look among these reeds. The, I look upon this grass. And I grab one. And I even grab one that's been bruised. And I say, I'm going to use this one. I'm not going to throw it away. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. 
why wouldn't he choose the best? It's not Jesus' way. It's not Jesus' way. It's not what he does. He looks at the bruised reed and he doesn't throw it away like a Kleenex. But he cherishes it. That's you. That's you. You say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not a piece of work, you know. I'm not someone who's been bruised. and I, I'm not like that. I, I've done it right. I've done it right. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. In, in our self-righteousness and our big self-effort and our, our way of always pushing to the best, you, you, this is what we do. This is what we do. I talked about this in the last couple of weeks. We find something that we can be better at than everybody else. And then we put a spotlight on it. And we leave the rest of the areas in the dark. Uh, Math. uh, How many of you like math? How many of you like math? I am so sorry for you. Self-righteous, I just tell you. You know what's great about math? Uh, It's either right or wrong, right? And for the most part, if you just study a little bit longer, you can figure out why it's right or wrong and you can get the right answer. And you go, aha, I'm right. I'm right. I got the right answer. I'm the best. I, I, I got it. And then you can look at everybody else who got the wrong answer and go, you missed it. You blew it. I'm smarter than you are. Point to others' failure. Point to your significance. Um, we might be able to get one answer right, but have we gotten all the answers right on all the tests with the right attitude in our hearts? No. And so we do this too in, in other areas of life where uh, we fail miserably. We fail miserably in our marriage. So we bury ourselves in our work. Uh, we... Uh, we, we struggle with what it is to raise our children and what they're going to be. So we work on our garden, right? We kill our garden and then we go out shopping, right? We're just constantly shifting focus, hoping to find something that we would be the best at. I want to tell you, Jesus is a different king. And you know what he says? The bruised reed, I won't throw it away. I'm not a king who gives it and and breaks it and says, be done with it. Throw it into the fire. He gives a second illustration. And and you want to get this with both of these illustrations. He points to the weakness and the insignificance. He's not talking about a gold coin here he doesn't throw away. He's talking about a a piece of stiff grass, if you will. And now he points to a a small wick and he says this, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Uh, You get this picture of a a wick, of a candle or a light or a lamp and it's, it's flickering. It's flickering. You can imagine the house uh, being filled with a light that's flickering, right? fluorescent light i mean just makes me crazy just makes me crazy a bad fluorescent light and it's going like that and you're like ah, get rid of it 
Uh, we've got to fix it. We, it. It's not that it's that important. It's, it's time to fix the light bulb. And, and it says of Jesus as his king in the Old Testament, now marked in the New, he says, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. And when you see a bad light, it's simple to us. We say, well, uh, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. A, a smoldering wick would uh, put off probably an odor of smoke and it would be this bad light. And it wouldn't be this significant thing that wouldn't be so cheap that they could go and fix and just put another wick in there and be done with it. But it says this, a smoldering wick he will not quench, he will not get rid of, he will not do away with it. I want to tell you that's you. That's you. And me, we, we are not ones that, that are significant. We are not ones that are expensive. And yet the grace of the gospel that the choir sang of and what we're talking about this morning is this. It's amazing love that he would look to us, these insignificant, weak, failing people. And he says, I won't kick you to the curb. I won't change you out for something better. But as the king, I'm a different kind of king that I grab you and I bring you in to myself. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. One more thing uh, he says here that is um, should should be important for us this morning in verse 21. It says this, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. The nations, the people, for those who will come. And it's not just for his people, the Jews, but it's for all the people. And, and this strike this should strike us. And you say, but I don't, I'm not right, from the right family. I'm from the, the bad side of the tracks. I'm from the wrong part of California. And, and, and Jesus says, this is the kind of king that I am. This is what I was intended. This is part of the plan, Old Testament to new. Is I'm the one that the Gentiles will hope in. And... And as I look at this for Bear Valley Church, we all want something to hope in. We, we want tomorrow to be a better day. We, we struggle with issues. I don't want to point any fingers, all right? But this is a church of issues. We've got things going on. We don't know what we're doing in so many ways. And as we look at this passage, it says of the king, it says what? It says, in him, in his name, the Gentiles will hope. We can look to the future with a smile on our face and hope and confidence. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Um, there's scary things out in our future. And we don't even know all the ones that are out there, right? Uh, we know some. We know some. And, and there's a sense of sometimes fear in our heart of saying, well, how will I be able to face this? How will I be able to get through this? I want you to see that you are not meant 
to, to get through it on your hard work, but hope in Jesus, the new king. You're not meant to. This is the reason that Jesus came is because you and I are weak and insignificant and we need a new king. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. This morning, I want to confess to you that I want to be the best. I want to be the best. In in many different areas of my life, I I look at it and I go, how can I be the best? But I also need to confess to you, I'm not. I'm not. I fail over and over again. And let me guess, you too. You too. You want to be the best and yet you fail. So we try to cover up. We try to magnify this over here so you don't see this over here. I just want to tell you one thing this morning. Just one thing. You and I, we need a new and different king. And his name is Jesus. Please pray with me. God, I ask that you work in the hearts of all of us here, that we would be uh, ones whose hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God, I ask that you would convict hearts now, that we would see our need for you, that we would give up man-made religion, and that we would come to know and trust and hope in Jesus, the, the, the name of the new and different king. God, do your work in your church. Help us to be a church that uh, confesses our inability and magnifies and glorifies you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I would love to talk to you more about Jesus and where he fits in your life. Uh, So if you want to come and talk afterwards, I'd love to. Thank you all for being here today. You are dismissed.